brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Midday Squares. Have you ever tried a Midday Square? They are the first functional chocolate bar and they're making waves. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. They have 6 grams of protein, 4 grams of fiber, and omega-3s. Most importantly, they kill hunger, fuel your brain, boost your mood, and all from natural energy. They're everything a chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Use the code KELSEY15 at checkout to get 15% off today. Love and support is uh, clearly going to be a theme of this. This is my point to you, Bishop. There's a reason why you are in the circle, in the trust, you're in the nest, you're in the, you're in the pack. This is why behavior like that, which we'll never speak of on this show. And then there's Alex. The thing I right. love so much about Alex is because I can have... Well, not just you, Alex, but when you're both in the room, we can have a conversation about the hardest, most aggressive, egregious topics in the entire world. Controversial as fuck. Controversial doesn't even begin to do that justice. Yeah. 20 uh, minutes before the show, we were we were talking about some really hard things. But here's the thing. We, as a society, are so quick to shy away from topics and conversations that seem taboo or controversial because we are fearful of the repercussions of ourselves. Here's the thing that drives me nuts about that. That's how things go missed. This is how genocides happen. This is how, excuse me, media works. This is how entire cities disappear when we don't talk about the hard things, and I'm not saying we have to talk about that, but what I'm trying to say to you is when people stop having conversations, when people stop being willing to have the hard conversation, not the conversation that causes you emotional distress, like say my, my interview on Jocko, that caused me a lot of emotional distress, not in the sense of like any, anyone did anything to me, but when you give yourself to an interview or to a situation, to the depths that I felt I did in that situation, you you go through it. I think my doctor watched the, uh, the episode and said I disassociated twice based on just the video <laughs> he could see and like legit. But my point is 
when you stop having the hard conversation, not just the one about personal, emotional, like mine was, you stop having those conversations like I'm trying to have, the ones that talk about the issues of the world, the, the real things, the why people do what they do and how they affect people's feelings. That's when we lose things. We're so afraid of being canceled. We're so afraid of, of losing businesses. We're so afraid of being ostracized. and Or even just being like bad mouthed by people, you know. Yeah. And I think something that petty, right? But yeah, it's always like that. And I think we, we deserve better, I guess, as like society, we deserve better as human beings in the community. We deserve, we deserve better for ourselves, but for whatever reason, we, we don't do it. And I think it, it's a, it's a sticking point with me, but when I'm with you two and I can have conversations like that, it's not that we're solving the world's problems, but the words are being spoken and they're being put out into the universe and the conversations are being had that could spark others to go and have those hard conversations. And I think that's incredibly important. And that's why I love spending time with both of you. And that's why both of you are very near and dear to me. It's not your fault that you live in America and you're Asian, but it is your parents. So we can blame them. <laughs> yeah. I have I learned it. so much about uh, Asian culture from you because we have one other uh, family member of ours, uh, Uncle Sushi, and um, he has been yeah. in our life forever. And that is the name he gave himself. Don't go there with me. And <laughs> our son calls him that. And it is an interior, like, that's what he wants to be called is Uncle Sushi. So yeah, it's we, a term of endearment. It's, it's a term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've learned so much from you about Asian culture. And we did an episode before where the Wi-Fi cut out. So we had to kind of, I want to get into it a little bit more and about what's going on in the world in terms of uh, China that you can understand, that you understand, that you can speak to because your family lives there and you have yeah. a different viewpoint than most. And it's, you're not white, so you can talk to us about this and no one's going to be like, Alex is racist. So, Oh, you mean I have one of these, like a yellow card? You have a... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he just pulled out a yellow card. It's like soccer, but better. It's a post-it. Yeah, it's a yellow card. It's fun. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, okay, I'm just going to stop. So can you can and can you give me a little update as to what's going on and what, what you understand your family's going through? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Hong Kong. I was born and raised there. My family still lives there. And so I got to experience it when it was still kind of like British colony for the most part. Mm -hmm. And the handover happened in what, 97, 98 it was. Mm -hmm. So then that was when he officially became back a part of China. And that was the start of the collapse of like the one country, two systems thing. So in terms of that, I grew up there. I speak both languages. I speak Mandarin and Cantonese. So I'm kind of a mixed blood kid. I can sort of figure it out. So what questions do you have? So because there's a lot of shit going on. You want to narrow it down a bit or no? I mean, let me let me start it with this way. Uh, let's start with this. Being a kid that's, I guess, half white, half Asian, and speaks yeah. both languages. Yeah. How is that for you? And how was that growing up? I mean, it was it was pretty interesting because I had a lot of friends because of my schooling that were half kids. 
and then you'd see like the norm like okay mixed kids mud bloods whatever right (laughs) but then you like you form cliques which is kind of fucked up right so you had like a lot of the local chinese chinese kids and then you would have like a bunch of the mixed kids and then you'd have like the white kids and i hate to say it but like there was a lot of like private clubs like rugby clubs football clubs and shit in hong kong as part of like that british higher echelon of elitism right yep and stiff upper lip and so it did break down into like the lower class middle class and upper class in a sense in terms of like if you looked at the family's poverty lines and where they lived mm-hmm. it would match up and so i think it was very blatant and in our face when we were little so it wasn't anything new to us we just kind of like accepted it but hey we we're ever... all in the same class we're all in the same school and we treated each other pretty much like pretty well but there it... is a thing where it's like you're too white for the yellows and too yellow for the whites did you ever have a conversation with your parents about this was this something that was spoken to you about was it this like a um, just a known fact in the family where you were like well that's this is no, just how it is I don't... I don't think like it comes up as like a social taboo. Mm. It just exists like any other caste system in India, right? Like that still exists and it's just, okay, that's what it is. For the listeners who don't understand what you're talking about, do you want to tell me what that system is? It's like having to do with the religion and last name and where you're from in terms of where you traditionally stand in society. So it basically keeps so if you're like, the poor, or like if poor. you have Benedict Cumberbatch, whatever, Rothschild III, right? Versus John Smith Fisher. Like you can tell who's. Right. Yeah. Got it. Hmm. And they never, were, it was like, just like a known fact. No one talked yeah, about it. Yeah, but it was brought up, at least with my, my close friends, we would experience like subtle racism or inadvertent racism or just like things that other people wouldn't have to deal with around Hong Kong. But tell I think that, that would exist in like a lot of different cultures. Tell me the story about being at the restaurant. Oh, the restaurant story. Yeah. Okay. So like we have little like um, hole in the wall, like restaurants, we call them like cafeterias, right? Tang's. Tang's. So it's like you go on your lunch break and you get your little rice box, or your plate of noodles for lunch, and then you go back to work. Right. So it's like cafeteria. And so my buddy and I roll into one of his favorite ones in Wan Chai. We sit down and the lady's like, okay, take your order, right? And he orders in Chinese. And the lady's like, oh, okay. And then looks at me and I order in Chinese. And she looks at my friend who looks at me, looks at her and then is like, you heard what he said in Chinese. Like, yeah, that's what he wants. She's like, is that what he wants? Yes. It's like, what the fuck, right? So like yeah. I'm speaking Chinese to her. She replies in English. Is are you sure? Yes. Do you do you need anything? No. Make my order in Chinese again. Ask her for sauce, like extra sauce and shit, like you don't know about normally, just to like prove the point that I'm local. Yeah. And then the food comes. My buddy gets chopsticks. What do I get? A fork. I got a fork and a spoon. <laughs> so I had to ask her for chopsticks. And then I left the food, the fork and the spoon on the side clean as like a fuck you. <laughs> so like, like I'm not I a don't white know boy. if she was racist or she wanted to practice her English or she just didn't know better. Or she was so like shocked that like 
this mixed kid speaks fluent Chinese that like everything you say just like goes out the window. You, I love that you have the benefit of the doubt there, but you know that she was just racist, right? I mean, Chinese servers in restaurants are notoriously rude. <laughs> we have this Japanese like place near the house and we are, we are in and out of there at a pace that is astronomically fast. Yeah. There is no like, how was your day? How's life? Like, welcome to your nope. restaurant. It's like, sit down, eat the food. Leave. What do you want? Food yeah. comes. Bill, <laughs> leave yes. so we can fill the seat and make more money. Yeah, it's ruthless. It's the whatever. That's the culture. That's how they want to run their business. That's fine. It's just interesting hearing people from China talk about China the way you do, because we all see a lot of these behaviors, but no, we... I cannot talk about these behaviors. They're not something I, hey, uh, it's not my privilege, okay? You're white. A, a white. <laughs> but I'm not that privileged for that conversation. <laughs> yeah, so it was, like, it was like little it. shit like that or like roaming around the street going to the markets, right? And you'd hear people like talking shit behind your back in Chinese and your buddy in irons is like, wait, are they talking about us? Yeah, they're talking about us. And then they like continue talking shit about white people or like the students or whatever, because it's like near all this international schools. Right. That's and where all the rich the kids the conversation, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. At the end of the conversation, I just walk up to them. And in Chinese, I'm like, you're the reason why the world has a bad opinion of Chinese people. <laughs> oh, and he's just like, oh, shit. Right. And like the face sunk. Yes, sir. No, sir so sorry so sorry in english not even in chinese so sorry so sorry right you're like i can you're missing the point yeah, i can still yeah, understand you. yeah so it's uh, like okay fine because okay. that's that's the other thing right you can't like tell the person they're a dickhead you have to make them like be a bad representation of the community as a whole and they're like oh shit that like that motherly ccp instinct kicks in like the imp the uh the impression the it's like it's just yeah like you beat yeah. you down we all hate you not just your father the nation it's like the chinese you. version of i'm not mad i'm just disappointed mm -hmm. right <laughs> mm -hmm. and i oh, scolded like chinese tourists in wyoming for that too really yeah in yellowstone when they're like kids are running rampant making noise and like scaring animals I and that would never them. be allowed that would never be allowed in china I mean, it would be, I just have to get away with it. Or when the cops like getting mad at you, I, I, sorry, what? I don't understand you. Yeah. That guy spoke Chinese to me. No, he's white. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, so you really did have a free pass here in a few situations. This wasn't all. Bad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can, you can feign being white. Like when I was in China with my buddy, like visiting, yeah. he, he like somehow found pot. Somehow found pot around Alex good. in China. And I mean, you know, we make do and we know the right people. So it can happen. But we were like walking around in China, like smoking pot on the street. Right. And this old lady like, hey, that smells really good. What kind of tobacco is it? And my buddy was just like, oh, it's foreign pipe tobacco in Chinese. And she was like, oh, very nice. And just like makes on with her day. And we're oh just like two white God. kids walking down the street smoking foreign pipe tobacco. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't get taken away for the rest of your I mean, life, including multiple generations. Well, my friend isn't very street Saran smart. Luckily, I kind of am. So like 
we we knew the right places to go. So what did you just say, Bishop? I said he's lucky he didn't get saran wrapped and thrown in a van like firewood. I mean, yeah. when's the last time you saran wrapped somebody and threw them in like firewood, Bishop? We didn't use saran wrap. We were fond of uh, flex ties, but uh, it's been it's been easily over a decade since I've done anything like that. I mean, sure. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of over a decade, how long have you known Alex? How long have you two in your relationship? Oh God, eight years. I think eight years, twelve. It's what? When did we meet? Two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. It was right before you went back to school in San Francisco. Oh yeah, so then that was like 2015 time frame. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, that's why you're like an old married couple. Well, it's also I I have a huge soft spot for Asians and Asian culture because my first duty station in the military was in Okinawa, Japan. So I had a blast there. I integrated in. I did all. Oh yeah, you integrated fine. We know. I integrated Six foot in. tall ginger, yeah. Yeah, I Blend had a, right <laughs> I had an I had an Okinawan girlfriend. I went to all the local restaurants. I even started learning a little bit of Japanese. And that was kind of like my first that was really the first time that was the first time I was outside the continental United States at eight at the ripe old age of I think I was 18. No, 19. 19 years old. Oh dude, that's like brand new world. Yeah. Yeah. So got to spend time yeah. there. And then, you know, have I've been all over Southeast Asia, I've been to several, several countries and love the culture. And then when I went to design school in San Francisco, it was all, I was the only white dude there. So it was like in, in a design department, like everybody was either from China, Taiwan, India, um, where else? We had a couple Korea. of Thai, Korea. Yes, Korea. We have South Korea. We had a couple of Thai students. Um, we had a couple of uh, Japanese students. So I formed a little clique of humans that I really liked. There was a couple of South Koreans, uh, a couple of Taiwanese, and and three or four Chinese. And we all got along very well and would go to, we'd, we'd all hang around with each other during breaks in between classes. And we would go, we usually go once, sometimes twice a week to a... Um, uh, to the little Korean barbecue place that was right around the corner from campus. And we would, yeah. And we would, and the food was amazing there and we would all sit and have lunch together and eat together. And they would teach me things about their country. They would teach me things about, you know, they would try and teach me their language. It was kind of hard though, to try and learn all the different facets because everybody was like speaking different dialects of different things. So yeah, that's a lot of it's difficult, but, but, you know, I opened my, you know, FID 101 playbook there and I was just like, okay, like, how do I establish rapport? Let's start building rapport. And so I did by, you know, uh, one of the things kind of that's a trend with uh, the foreign students that were there were they would like to like just pick random American names. Oh, yeah. So, oh, it's my favorite. Yes. <clears throat> oh, it's my favorite. So there was a girl from Taiwan and she was awesome. And she was one you of mean the China. No, China. no, I mean, Taiwan. No, yeah. You mean no, China? No, no, I mean, I mean, Taiwan. Okay. okay. Some of us, some of us, some of us support Taiwanese independence. So, uh, so, so do I, we have uh, factories there. I support yeah. Taiwanese independence. Yes. So they, um, she was amazing. She, she was, she was one of the best 
sketch artists in, in our particular class. And so she would help me with homework because I was not that great at sketching things. And so she would help me with things. And we just established this like good, we uh, really good rapport with each other. But what was funny is her, her name, she was like Leanne. She called herself Leanne. And I was like, no, but what's your real name? And she was like, Leanne. And I was like, no, no, your, your real name. And her real name was Wanting Ping. Yes. 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 So that much yes. Yes. And so I started calling her Wanting all the time. Yeah. And like, I, re- I refused to call her Leanne. And that just was like that, just doing that and paying her that respect by calling her her real name, just... I was now a made man in the Taiwanese mafia that it was existed on wait, campus. So wait, is her is her first name Wong or is her last name Wong? Wan Wan W A N. Her name okay. was okay. Wan Ting Ping. So which point? And you called last? her Wan Ting. Wan Ting, yeah. Okay, so if I took your name and I applied the same rules, yeah, <laughs> you'd be calling her. Bishbury. Bishbury. She didn't care. She loved it. <laughs> she didn't care. She just loved the fact that I was like trying to making the so, effort. Yeah, that I was Ch- making the effort. Was like, yeah, it was good. Paying paying pay the re- respect to her. So okay. I, I like yeah. that you just, I was I was hoping you were gonna break that down. I was like, so what she, is and just so you know, no one ever corrected me and said, no, this is how you say it. Like I would just ask them what their name was. They would tell me, and then I would just, that's what I would use. So I would call you the first beginning of the name, whatever that yeah, was yeah. to me <laughs> yeah. is what I'm going to call to you. I don't know what that yeah. means. It yeah. might not even be your first name. It could be just yeah. your middle name and make no sense, but yeah. I'm going to call you that because you said it in that order. Yeah. I mean, so, can you imagine like having to have your professors like explain to them how to pronounce your name? No, and you're going to an art school, so they have to like pronounce your name properly. Otherwise, they look bad, and then they can't do it. <laughs> Listen. Literally, every single Asian student that I was with, that was from a foreign country, did the did the like. We're just going to pick a rant. I'm just going to my yep. name. I'm just going to pick my name's David. Hi, I'm David. And Hi. It's like, easier to fill in on the SATs too. You don't yeah. have to fill in like <laughs> fucking fifty two bubbles. Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense. But it was good because we, I, I had a great experience and I got to meet a lot of cool people. Some of them I still, I'm still very much in contact with. And um, who else did we had? We had, uh, so it was myself, six foot three white ginger <laughs> fucking dude, uh, a bunch of Asian students, an Indian student named Tanuj, who was fucking hilarious. Love he that was name. Just, uh, God, he, he reminded me of a famous Indian actor that we've got here that's I forgot his name, but he's he he was a dead ringer for him and would crack jokes and he was funny and then spoke in his like really obscene Punjab accent Don't. all the time. Yeah. And then they're and funny. then yeah, they're hilarious. And then we had yes. uh, and then we had AJ. And AJ was the token black dude. And he okay. was from like the hood somewhere back east. I think he was like from Kansas City, Missouri, like the wrong side of the tracks. And just like AJ was hood as fuck and like <laughs> awesome. And he was an excellent artist. 
as well. And, and he did some mechanical engineering time at a, at a, a different university. So brilliant. So here's this like awkward, tall, white dude, fucking black, tall, black dude from the hood. And then all of these Asians and an Indian. And we would all run around together and like and go to the and, Korean barbecue. Yeah, we'd go to the Korean barbecue together. We'd yes. go like we'd have like uh, sometimes there was a park. Uh, There's a park like two blocks away, and like if we had like a long break in between classes, everybody would gather up and we'd walk like two blocks up the road to the park, and then we'd all hang out in the park and like hit the hit the vape together and get yeah. high as shit, and then go go back to class, and then. Uh, and then usually once a week, we would all go to like have drinks. If, if those of us that like had late classes, because I had a few late classes to where I, my last class of the day started at seven and got over at nine. And so as soon as that nine o'clock class was out, we, whoever was there with me, we'd like gather up and we would go, uh, we'd go across the street uh, and drink soju at the Korean barbecue place. <laughs> Isn't that the most amazing thing? Like you couldn't have said or described a more American story than that. Like, isn't that the most amazing thing about America? You can have all of these cultures in it that are all people that are just wanting to be at the top of their profession that come from everywhere to go and learn in the top schools. And you can be a part of something like that. I mean, isn't that like the definition of America, that class that you just spoke about? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yes, too, yes, absolutely. And I think realistically what it was is a very interesting social construct of, that when you put people together from all different places and ethnicities and backgrounds and you remove ideology from the conversation, people get along just fine. Because we're all just humans. Yep, people care about each other. People want to help each other. People will you know, go out of their way for each other. Like... <laughs> We used to like stay late and help each other with homework all the time. If one of us was like really good at something like AJ was really, really good at 3D modeling. And so like any, if anybody needed help on that, he would stay behind and like help each other out. Like, you know, one thing would always help me with like my sketch stuff and like, we would always just help each other. And uh, there was a, uh, there was another girl. Oh, I forgot about her. She's from Austria. She was awesome. She she would always help out everybody out with uh, InDesign. She was really, really good at InDesign. And so she would always be there to help everybody out because she could just do it. She was like a fucking quantum computer. Like you'd be like, okay, I want my layout to be like this and this and this for my presentation. And she would literally get on there and just be like moving things and adjusting things. And then like literally- Yeah, that shit blows my mind, yeah. Dude, she could do a layout on InDesign. I'm not shitting you. If, if you had all of your imagery and you mm -hmm. knew what you wanted and you had your copy written already and you could just give that to her, she could do you a smoking presentation layout in InDesign in less than five minutes. I believe it. That's incredibly yeah. talented. Those yeah, like she, Adobe design wizards. Yeah. Yeah. She, yes. she was amazing. She, she's truly an amazing human. And so, yeah. So we just had this group of people that were awesome and we all helped each other out and we never talked politics we never had hard conversations because we were just too busy focused on the task which was like school and also just having fun and enjoying each other's company and all we would ever do is really talk about you know fun stuff and like ask each other questions about each other's lives or each other's backgrounds or each what we like to do for fun or like 
you name it, you know? Um, and I love so it that good. it's all like the common denominator is still food, right? Across the globe. Right. Correct. It's yeah, always like food yeah, is it's always food. Yep. Universal unifier. Yeah, for sure. Water I and you, food. I hate you. Do you like Korean barbecue? Yes. Let's yes, go. Let's okay. Go Korean yeah. barbecue. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad that you guys acknowledge that and see that there's so many people that overlook the importance of sitting down across from somebody and eating something. And I think that goes and shows in families for us, we, we always have dinner together. Nobody well, sits. The term breaking bread, right? Exactly. Right. And that's a, that's something that I feel like we've lost a lot of and whether it's because people just are reluctant to sit down with somebody who has a differing opinion than them. Or if it's that when I think of sitting down and breaking bread, I think of, I think of number one, I think of the fiftieths and number two, I think of other cultures. I don't think of our culture that way. Not anymore. It's not, it's not a Western way. Like the, maybe if you're from the Bible belt and you're very, you know, Catholic Christian, you sit down and that's the thing. Family dinner every night. Family dinner. And it's, and that's it. But for most of America, for most of Canada, for most of the Western countries, it feels to me like we've lost that connection to that moment in time. We're always on our screens. We're always doing something else. We don't make time for it. It's not a priority. We'll just eat on the run. Food's so accessible. It's not something that we do any longer. And I wonder if that is, I mean, Let's get into real world issues. I wonder if that is why so many family units feel like they're falling apart. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure it has something to do with it. Yeah, especially here, like, yeah, it's a. I would say it's probably a family leadership issue. Like, you know, you've got the divorce rate is super, super high, and then like when kids turn into teenagers, they just disappear off to their rooms, and you know have their iPad and are like eating a bowl of Captain Crunch instead of like, you know, helping set the table, helping prepare the meal, helping do all the things that are like, you know, important. Like learning how to cook. Right. Oh, like no. watching your parents cook and just like figuring out, oh, that's how you make it. Or cooking with them or cooking with yeah. them or participating in the process. I mean, is that, is that something we've lost? Is it all because of fast food and like the quick, easy thing and, you know, um, DoorDash or Uber Eats, and we've lost that connection with one another. Yes. I feel- At least in my family, right? Like of all the fucked up like family drama that exists in every family, Mm -hmm. our family would revolve around food. So it was like Mm -hmm. the only time we'd all have to like sit around a round table together and be in the same room and talk about your day or complain or like update or- but it was always like, cool, what's for lunch? Okay, we're going to make lunch. And then at lunch, we're like, cool, what's for dinner? And it's like you'd plan the family time based upon mm-hmm. meals. So when everyone's busy doing like what, summer schooling, work, traveling or whatever, you can plan it based on meals because everyone's mm-hmm. going to eat at the same time usually. But yeah, with DoorDash, it's like, oh, I got home early. Mom's not home. I'm just going to eat a bunch of like Lunchables and then not skip dinner and play video games or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I got to work late, eat before me, eat without me. That's the thing that I feel like China got right. I mean, they got the round table right. They got yeah, that. In some round table family style. Yeah. The, the Lazy little... Susan, the yeah. DJ. Yeah. The, yeah. God damn it. Did they ever get that right? They got it right. Yeah. 
that, that, that force to sit across from somebody, whether you want to or not. I mean, they got a lot. I mean, the CPP got, I mean, the CCP got so much other things wrong, but I mean, the Chinese people, the culture got this so right. And I'm, I'm always taken back when I go somewhere and I see the round table in the spin because I'm like, you're getting it. There's community in this. There's a a conversation to be had in this, whether you like people or not. I just, I think the reason I bring this up and it's something that is on my mind is especially after COVID, I see so many families that no longer communicate and it's all because of the government saying one thing or another because we've allowed so much government back into our lives. Like I, I was just telling you guys right before this, I was just on the citizen, which is Dan Holloway's show. And we had this conversation and it it was the same thing. It was like, how much government is too much government? And, and why do we feel like, why do we keep going this, having this behavior where like, fix our problems, fix our problems. We go to the government. What, what, what is that? Why can't we handle our own shit anymore? And it's, it's terrifying. And it goes to the people end up feeling left out. Family units aren't talking. Then that's how bad things happen when people don't realize what are going on within their family and mental health issues. Now shootings happen. Like it feels like it's this downturn of something, but like, how do you correct a thing like this? How do you pull it back? How do you make people in your family want to talk again when they're so divided based on unvaccinated or vaccinated? Like, how does, how do we pull this back? Uh, that's, that's a great question. And it's really difficult because everybody, if you, if you want to, you know, and I'll just speak to the family, like if you want to correct something in the family, everybody has to have a certain level of objectivity and understand that like, okay, I love this human. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my dad. This is my mom, et cetera. That I love them. I may not agree with them, but I'm going to honor them by letting them say their piece. And we can keep things civil by just, you know, if we run into an impasse on something, agree to disagree on it. But like the other thing too, is like not letting things escalate to such an emotional point that you just shut down and you're not willing to listen to what the other person has to say. Mm-hmm. Or you resort to calling them emotional things. Right. Is that, or is, is that a result so, of, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, are you so, you, you let it devolve into a level of immaturity to where like you're losing the argument because, well, you didn't have a great argument. You're not coming from a place of educated, like you didn't do your research, you didn't do your homework and you're just maybe spouting off the latest political point that is complete propaganda. You didn't bother to dig into it. You didn't bother to research it. You didn't do a deep dive on it. And now you're getting annihilated in an argument. And instead of like being a good listener and realizing, oh shit, I might be wrong. Or um, I want to know more about what this person is saying. Like if you look at that from, because when people come at me hard, I always stop and I'm like, okay, what's the lens this person is looking at this from and lead with empathy, be a good full listener and let them get through their point before you start speaking. And just having those basic skills is important. And if you can't, if 
if both if all parties involved can't do that and they let things devolve into a, a monkey shit fight at the zoo then that's exactly what it's going to be and then that's going to perpetuate through all things and <laughs> especially if you're in a family unit it's going to be it's going to be hard so is that a is that a fault of the lack of communication is that the reason okay let me try this again the the fam speaking from the family unit's perspective if somebody can't sit and have a cohesive coherent conversation with you how are you supposed to how are you supposed to talk with these people what i'm saying is i feel like in society our our ability to communicate effectively within one another really depends on whether your parents were able to communicate and if they weren't and they had bad coping mechanisms and they lashed out and they only ever screamed or they only ever cursed or they only ever just called you names. It's not a shock to me when I see so many families struggling now because it goes to a, a lack of communication, a lack of ability to communicate effectively. And we, it kind of puts in the forefront how, how ill-equipped a lot of people are when it comes to having a conversation because our society has never been pressured like this. North America has never really been pressured like this, where you had something so devices thrown at your thrown at you that you've never really had to have this tough conversation. Look at World War II. Everybody was pretty damn clear across the board. If you were an American, you were anti-Nazi. If you were literally anyone else, you were anti-Nazi. Nobody wanted the Nazis. Nobody had to fight about it. Everyone had a common enemy. And that was fine. But then you have a government in this day and age where they are sowing deceit and division. And because people don't know how to communicate and because they don't have the, the conversational skills, their families are falling apart. I do wonder if that was a little bit planned. It just, I wonder, because it's very obvious to me that most people can't communicate. It's not that they don't want to. They don't know how to. It's a failure of our systems and, and what we teach and how we grow our generations. Right. Like, yes, my family, like I, we can't have hard conversations because they just can't, they can't communicate. They, they don't know how they don't mm -hmm. know how they, they just immediately, the second you push back on something that they haven't researched or they don't know much about and that they're just, they've just been victimized by the narrative and they're just like spewing a talking point. Mm -hmm. that they have not thought out about, they have not thought, put any thought into it behind it at all. And they're just regurgitating it. The second you lean back and push against that, no matter how gentle it is, they just shut down. Right. And so, you know, you can't, some people you just can't reach, unfortunately. Um, but, is but, it answer, but is it, you can't reach them because they don't have the skill to have the conversation or can you not reach them because they, they do not want to be reached. They, they believe the narrative. Cause like, I really believe a lot of people I've had these conversations with like everyday people who I thought for sure were like, you know, anti-vax, all of these things. And then they break down and say, I, I don't know how to communicate with my kid and I'm not allowed to see them if I don't get vaccinated, but I can't communicate with them because they, they just won't have a conversation. Do you get what that's, I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a maturity issue and mm. a generational, it's a maturity issue. It's also a generational 
issue. Like with my parents, like they're emotionally retarded. Like they have no EQ because they grew up in very hard, very hard, very conservative households and like don't have any connections to, they don't have any connection to their emotional state and they don't know how to manage their emotions. Emotions get very, really scary. An emotion is anger. So when I am crushing them in an argument with facts and data and research, not intentionally, but just Mm -hmm. like presenting my point and they're like, they don't know what to say. Then that's when the anger monster starts bubbling around and they don't know how to control that. So that's unsafe. And then they just, they shut down. So yeah, I really think that people that don't want to have a conversation and be good listeners are, it's an, it's, it's a maturity in life experience issue. Interesting. Interesting. Or even like a refusal to change because they're so comfortable in their ways, depending on the topic. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a character issue. It's like, no, I, I, this is whatever fairy tale I want to believe. I like it and I don't Mm -hmm. want to change because I'm happy in my little bubble. Don't talk to me. Right. Is that what happens in China? No, let me Uh, ask like, because somewhat and no, because the CCP they're only one, what, less than 1% represent, like of China. The rest of the population, they either f- follow or feel a certain way. But I can't, I can't in my heart of hearts believe that everybody in that country is happy with the choices being made as they're being locked down. No, no, they are currently very not happy. Like this has been one of the first years where like open protest against the government has happened since Tiananmen, like on the streets. So like Shanghai was doing like a mandatory four day testing and it turned into like four or five weeks. Yeah, it was six weeks by the end of it. It was six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're talking about extending. And they're going to extend it, they said, and it'll be protocols like this over like the next five months or they, they, they like it's, it's only going to get worse. So can you talk a little bit about that and what's going on in Shanghai and why you believe that not all of the Chinese people feel this way? I think it has to do a lot with the current access to the global ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a whole bunch of younger generation kids that have gone to school in foreign countries, right? They don't leave China or they come back to China. They have an inkling of how the world works. You have the access of the people in rural China to the internet somewhat. Like if they're smart enough to get a VPN, like all the college students in Shanghai, Beijing, like Guangdong, right? Like they watch Netflix and Marvel TV shows and shit like that and listen to like mumble rap, you know? Like there is literally a um, a grime and a hip hop scene in like one of the industrial centers in China where they all dress up like Migos and like have raves and shit and like do blackface, but that's separate. But like it exists. So like there's there's like an ongoing outcry and understanding of life outside of the CCP bubble. Right. And so when you start oppressing those people that start to know better, they're going to push back. And this is what they're dealing with now with younger generations in China. Like, I think the older generations, like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to be dead in like 30 years. So, 
but they the don't care. kids are like I want to go fucking do this and do that and be able to watch TV shows and listen to the music I want and talk to my friends about politics without fear and travel do, places. Do you see China, the the new generation of China, do you see the new generation of China staying with this way of life? Or do you see them pushing back to the point of changing government? I think at their heart, they want to, whether they can form a unified way of accomplishing their goal. Mm. I don't know if that is accessible yet. Do you think it'll be something that will be accessible? It's so easy to arrest someone. It's so easy to get like, knock their career down and send them off to a different country to work. It's Mm -hmm. so easy to blackmail them. Oh, your family's here. You're in Canada. What are you going to do about it? Check it out. I'm FaceTiming you. Like that happened, right? So, Do you want to explain what you're talking about? um, There was a, like a journalist or a a dissident, right? So someone Mm -hmm. that was outspoken in free speech. And I think they were in Vancouver or something hanging out. And they got a FaceTime from their mother. And it was a CCP official in their household saying, you have to come back to China by this time or whatever, right? Your family's here. We know where they live. So that story sounds identical to a story in the terrorist whisper when he went to a Al-Qaeda member's family and did the similar thing. Do you hear the resemblance? Yeah. Yeah. It's terrorism. They terrorize their society. Of, yeah, yeah. No, don't. No, no, no. It's terrorism. That shit we prosecute terrorism. Or fascism. For. Or, or fascism. authoritarianism. Right? You can give it whatever fancy word you can give it. So why do people keep the people? So how, why do the people that are the, of the younger generation that know what's happening, who don't want that, why do they stay? Access to jobs, family, not being able to get visas to go work somewhere else, not being able to get citizenship for somewhere else, um, debts to whatever, whether it be schooling or family or Mm. your work or travel or like a lot of the family still lives in rural China, right? Like they're trying Mm -hmm. to move everyone to the coast. Well, I'm sorry, everyone's moved to the coast and they're trying to build bigger cities inland to mm. coax people to like move inland to the industrial centers. That's where they can control them. Right. Mm. Or like, hey, do you want a bonus if we send you to Tibet? Because we need more Han blood in Tibet. Shit like that. Sorry? There's been a push to send ethnically Han Chinese people to go work in Tibet and have them knock up Tibetan women to fix the bloodline. What's your source on this? It was, I think SCMP did it, Routers, AP, and someone else. This was like eight years ago, six years ago. Okay. Yeah. That's a concern. I. That's, oh. not, even, that's not even the bad stuff. No, keep you it going. Even, 
you didn't even get to the good stuff. Ask him about the, or, the organ harvesting. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about all of it. Why not? So there's a, <laughs> um, there's a group of people that were the, oh, fuck. I forgot what they're called. It's That's okay. Horrible. That's all right. It'll come back to the you. Fa- Falun Gong. There so it is. it's like, it's like a, it's like a religious sort of like way of life thing that they adhere to like this ethnic minority so they're like they don't smoke they don't eat meat they live really healthy they like they exercise a lot they do all the tai chi and shit and so like Mm -hmm. they are a healthy group of people but they're a minority in china and so what they did was if you go to china and you're a han person and you have like oh i have a kidney failure i need it i need an organ in the US or in any other foreign country, you get put on a list, a donor list, and then you have to wait until that organ comes up for you, correct? R- correct. Yes. Yes. So in China, if you're like, oh shit, my kidney's failing. Cool. When do you want to schedule your surgery? Oh, next Tuesday. All right. Um, and then these prosecuted people that live very healthy lives get their shit harvested for the hospital system. Are they in a camp? Are they free reign? Are they in a city? Oh, they get they get arrested for being whatever, or they commit a crime, or they talk seditious online, and they get sent to a camp, and then, ta-da, and then, you're a prisoner. And that's... That dude needs an organ on Tuesday. And then they hold them there as, as an organ farm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But keep bitching about your freedom, America. But but we exactly we do business with these people. We we allow them to steal our technology. We we send our to buy seventy percent of the farmland or whatever it is in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. China owns a lot of your farmlands. Twenty some odd percent. Um, uh, how do we justify this? How is it justified? Is it justified just because of money? It's justified because human life doesn't matter to them. Like, how is this justified? And how is this not like on the front cover of every mega like magazine for the next fucking five years? They control the media outlets. I'm talking about here. Yeah, they control all the media outlets. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's real yeah. simple. Who do you think owns Disney? <laughs> Who do you think owns the Canadian government? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So Vancouver. You live in Vancouver. Yeah. He said it, not me. So yeah, it's a it's it's a thing. Um, we could also ask maybe Mitch McConnell, who's the GOP Senate majority leader. Uh, or not, not the Senate Majority Leader. He's the he's a senior representative for the GOP in the Senate. His wife is a uh, she's Chinese and she's directly her father is directly uh, connected to the CCP. I think yeah, I think like some I, official, some government official. Yeah, I think her. Well, I think. There's three of them. Her father is best friends with the one of the major Chinese defense contractors, and then they're both friends with Xi Jinping, 
and they received a $35 million check that was supposedly an early inheritance. And those are the people that are like at the top levels of our government. So you think that they're going to, when you're married, technically married into this, into the CCP, do you think you're going to, what do you think you're going to, what, what do you think your uh, legislation priorities are going to be? So do you remember, I wasn't alive then, but do you remember back during the cold war where even if you were gay, you couldn't be. If you worked in government, because it was a button that could be pushed by the Soviets, even mm-hmm. a question of association would be grounds for security clearance, losing your job. Right. But you're telling me the United States of America can have members of its own government married to the enemy and everyone's just super cool with it. Yeah, she was actually, she sat on the cabinet. She was actually the secretary of uh, transportation, if I'm not mistaken. What? Yeah. Yes. This is like known fact? Yes. Read a book called Stealth War. Stealth War? And it's stealth warfare. I think it's by Robert Spaulding. He's a retired Air Force general. I've talked about it a few times on my podcast. And then there's another great book that Cato just finished reading called, uh, I'm going to probably start it here pretty soon, called The 100, 100 Year Marathon. He was talking about it last time. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That, I so mean... When... <laughs> That's why it blows my mind. That's why I, I, I want to talk about this because it's not conspiratorial. It's not like talking bullshit. It's like, why and how has this gotten to this point? How have we let it slip this far? Why are we not acknowledging it and trying to change it? It's not racist or sexist or anything to want other countries that go around and have the Uyghurs in prison and other countries that go around and use people as human organ farms, it's okay to not want them in a democracy that is supposed to stand for freedom and rights because if you had an organ farm in America... People would be at your door with guns because that shit can't fly. It's okay to not want them as a part of our government. That's the whole point. We're not supposed to be like the CCP. We're supposed to have autonomy. But why why are we allowing and how the fuck have we gotten to this point where we allow people like that in our government? I mean, because they're getting... there's, There's a financial... There's financial interest there. Okay, so is this, can we walk it back? Are we too far gone? Are they too invested? I was going to say, they've been doing it since like the 50s, so. That's, okay, but that's what I'm saying is like, are we too far gone? Is this something now that we have to look at as a part of our new world? The influence of the CCP is so prevalent, can it be walked back? Well, I think their goal is to become the new world superpower. 
And they're doing okay. a good they're job. Well on their way of achieving that. Right? What is the yeah, what is the US definition? Yeah, what is the definition of like the world superpower? Because if you look at America in terms of freedom, it will always be I'm going to America. It'll always be the symbol of freedom. You used to see it as the symbol of the melting pot where all innovation happened. But then we got lazy and gave it all of the work over to China because we're like, well, they'll do it for us. Well, we don't need to work. So they do it. And then we lose all of our technologies. So what is the what is, what makes a world a superpower? Well, you have like military projection and hands in foreign political things, which the US has been doing, or you have what China wants to do, which is likely just have the world's highest GDP forever and have no one be able to say shit because they all owe China money, one, or they can't function as a country without China's help, too, which right. they've already been doing. There are ports that have been leased to China for 100 years, right? They're stealing islands from the Philippines. They've been flying jets around yep. Taiwan for like every day for the last however many years. They just built a boat and named it after. <laughs> yeah. I've talked to people in Taiwan and I've said, listen, I need you to move. I need you to leave the country. You're going to need to do it soon. And they go, we don't need to do that. What are you talking about? They're never actually going to invade. They made a boat. They named it after you. And they're going to come and put it there. I mean, I was talking also, to Brian about this, is that China can't invade Taiwan until they've caught up technology-wise with nanochip production. Because Taiwan currently makes 92% of the world's microtransistors smaller than 10 nanometers. You don't think they've Whether, been trying to steal their technology and build it themselves? I think they've been trying to steal it themselves, but then why does China import 70% of their transistors for everything from Taiwan? They haven't been able to do it successfully yet. That's Correct. Why. Or in mass enough to justify losing or invading Taiwan. Because if they do and they don't have enough microchips and Taiwan's like, well, we'll just send them all to Raytheon and Boeing mm -hmm. and Intel in the U.S., right? Because they do sell it to the U.S. as well. Like they're made over there. Interesting. Then China's fucked. They don't have anything to power their missiles. So if that's the place, why, why isn't America trying to get a hold of these people and hold them as tight as possible? They seem like they're a, a massive fucking piece of the puzzle here when it comes to being the world's superpower. Is that why Biden originally said he would defend Taiwan and then walked it back because it would put a shit storm? I think the isn't U.S. official policy that they do not support Taiwanese independence. Biden straight up said not that long ago when they asked him if China invaded uh, Taiwan, what would they do? He stated that he would uh, we would support. And then uh, about a week later, the White House aide came out and said, no, he didn't mean we would actively support my boots on the like there was a whole walk yeah. back. But yes, he yeah. did originally. No, he did. He did state that, though, publicly. And then China rebutted and said something along the lines of like something along the lines of like there's there's like a consequence to ever like you know very you know how they do when they're like very wordy about their warnings but they step, don't actually step, say tiptoeing around yeah do, legislation do, 
but you know exactly what they're talking about, right? Yes, that's we interesting. Do not officially support Taiwanese independence as a country so that we can continue to do business with China. However, we will send them F 16s and teach them how to use missiles and the... fly and like send a carrier group down the Taiwanese Strait like every month. Yeah. Come Just on. to, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a person who is currently running or will, if he's elected, will run for prime minister from the conservative conservative ship. And he stated uh, publicly this week that he would um, recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation. I was like, oh, you're never getting in then. Good luck. Yep. You're never going to become a part of the Canadian government. You're getting canceled. Immediately. <laughs> or something's going to happen to your brakes. Either way, it's fine. Um, speaking of something happening to brakes. So, Brian, based on your old job, what has life been like now? Because you two work together on other projects other than world domination and shit talking, but you do some other stuff. You guys got some stuff going on. So talk to me what a old, little bit about what old, job you, what old job are you talking about? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't exist. Doesn't yeah. matter. The, so yeah, the, uh, what do we do now? Well, we were, we've got our own, we've got a podcast that we started and it's been, it's been, pretty successful like we started out with uh 127 downloads last july and i think now we're about we're close to crossing the 50,000 threshold so we're it makes it's exciting it's exciting so yeah building a youtube channel out and big things happening big things happening over here big things happening so yeah that's what we're that's what we're doing and Alex, how do you play into into the world domination of of the the Bishop Empire here? I'm his little private CCP. I'm just the little yellow <laughs> in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, uh, definitely he has a he has a great seat at the table, and he we we work together as a team. I'm really big. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do what I do without him. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I'm big on from a leadership perspective. Cause I see, I see it time and time again in my industry where I have, you know, industry peers that, you know, have these, have built these, you know, successful companies or su successful enterprises. And they, they always like to talk about their grind and they talk about, you know, their business and and they like to really highlight themselves. But one thing that I'm a very uh, that I'm very staunch about is no one ever gets to any level of success by themselves. So somewhere along the line, somebody helped you, somebody showed you something, somebody invested in you, somebody did something, or you have a team. You grew to the point where you were able to like add one piece at a time and one piece at a time until you've got like a small team or maybe a larger team, and those people are what makes your dream work essentially and what what enables you to you know do what you do so i you know i like to highlight you know my people and he's 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 selectee candidate zero one past selection and is you know my right hand dude for all things that we do media wise and he's i'd say life wise too yeah and life wise yeah He's yeah, absolutely one of my best friends on the planet, without a doubt. So uh, 
like I said, nothing, nothing could happen without, you know, without him, the CCP, without the CCP working behind the scenes. So I feel like yeah. you should, you should have a shirt made for him that just says CCP on it. It says right. we need a poo on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's a great advertisement for them. You're, you know, you're a great mouth. A spliff. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, it makes total sense. But I, I love talking about that because I love to hear the come up. I love to hear how somebody gets to where they get to and understand. Hey, you, have you checked in with yourself today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Have you had enough water? This is your midday check-in brought to you by Midday Squares. Big breath in. <sighs> I'm back at it the dynamics, because I think that's really important. A lot of people, I had a, I had a guy on the show recently, um, Jake, Jake from Allstate. I can't ever, I can't say his name. I can't say his name without saying it. I said it, I said it to his friend. I said it right to his face. Um, no, Jake is one of the founders of midday squares and, um, fuck, we had this exact conversation where it's like, nobody sees the come up. Nobody sees the hard part. Nobody sees the dynamics and how, what it looks like to be an entrepreneur or to start a podcast or to do all of these things. And it takes a team. It takes a lot of effort. And I think acknowledging and not only highlighting those individuals that help you grow and get to the point where you're at now and continue to grow is, is vital. It's, it's vital to, you know, it being successful and the, the importance it holds in that team doesn't go unnoticed when somebody doesn't feel heard. They're, they're not going to, they're not going to work hard. They're not going to put their effort in. They're not going to think about it on their off time. If you make somebody feel heard and feel like what they're saying matters, it's going to make a big difference into who wants to be around you and how people want to grow with you or if they want to grow with you at all. Um, so I think it's amazing the dynamic you two have. And I, and I know from a personal standpoint, seeing the dynamic between you two, it's, it's something that I wish more people could experience being able to have someone to lean on in a business perspective, in a true way, in a way that you can have like before the podcast started super duper uncomfortable, like crawl in your skin conversations, not for sake of winding someone up, but for sake of knowledge, for growth, for understanding, for education, being able to have that person near you is, is incredibly instrumental. In my you're God. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely correct. So yeah, it's super Always important right. to have, I mean, let's not get too carried away here. <laughs> let's not get too, let's not, Let's not get too carried away. Okay. I, I have mean, to I have to hold your hair back while you vomit and I have to sit and listen to you cry okay. in ceremony. So okay, let's okay, not listen. Get, not get you did not touch away. my hair. You stayed on your <laughs> side and you watched everything from afar while people suffered. For those who don't know what I'm talking about or haven't listened, Bishop and I met because we did ayahuasca together for the first time I ever did it. And I got fucked by Mama Aya. And mm -hmm. It was ruthless and aggressive. And again, I would say, go listen to that, but it is not currently there. So when it does come up, I would say, go listen to my description of, although I did speak a little bit on Lex, on Lex's show about um, the first I experience with you guys, um, mainly because the second one I didn't do until 
right after his show had recorded. So I only had the one experience to go off of, but I did speak about it there, but it was ruthless and it was violent and it was everything it needed to be. That being said, I am going to Peru soon. So we shall see how violent that gets. I'll be excited to see, to hear about your experience there and how it compares to what we've already done. You should come. You both should come. I mean, I'd be open to that. I'd be open to that, Peru. Yeah. (laughs) I'm open to Peru. (laughs) Yeah, I want to go check out Peru. I want to go play with llamas and shit. (laughs) No, and it's like, for me, it's a fly-in, fly-out situation. But there's there's something special about... Why would you do that to yourself again? You know better. Here here we go. (laughs) Why, Why would you do that to yourself again? because I'm by myself and when I want to go back with Grady that's when that would be a more like go explore be outside of it but I'm going on my own I'm going strictly for my healing and it is the focus of the trip and then I am back and then him and I are going away anyway somewhere else so when I when he's ready to go sit in ceremony he will go there it's horrible decision it's a horrible choice, especially internationally. Just to fly from where you where we were at down to Texas the day after so that you could do business things. I you, was doing business. I was on podcasts. Yeah. 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 And how did that work out? How did that go? How did what? how was the airport? Tell me about the airport. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would Listen, it wasn't that? it wasn't a good look. I, uh, you imagine it was fine. Peruvian customs while you're fucked up. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a good I idea. I don't get a choice. My point is that no is shit. just, how, you always get a choice. I you don't have a financial a choice. choice in staying in Peru for a longer period of time. I've allocated that choice to another activity. Another time. Don't worry. Okay, by the way, to talk, we're going to talk about this after you go through this again. We're going to talk about this because I want to hear. I want to hear how horrific it was and how you barely survived. I'm going to film everything. Like how you probably are going to hide underneath a blanket on the plane. You're oh yeah, like Casper the friendly ghost because you're going to be wearing but, the airplane airplane blanket over your head. Not yeah, talking but don't to you plane, think rocking that people, back and forth? Don't you think that people? <laughs> are used to that now coming back from peru flying back to a western country i can hardly wait to hear this just for the record i want everybody on the record right now this is a bad idea for you but go ahead i I can hardly wait to hear about it maybe you'll come on the trip and then i won't have to i won't have to discuss it it'll just be known right and i will sit next to you and talk shit the whole entire way Oh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I've seen you after <laughs> ceremonies. Don't you go there. Don't you act all tough. If you get it I twisted it. with me, kid. Mr. Alex, though, I haven't seen you after a ceremony. Because you've never sat with Aya, have you? No. Is that something that you intend to do? Not at the moment. Don't feel a call. I'm not ready for it. Yeah. 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 You got some stuff, man. Work it's a big commitment. Out. Yeah, it's a big commitment. It's not one to be taken lightly, that's for sure. No. Yeah. I mean, any of that stuff. 
any sort of psychedelic like that, I think is to be handled with an, an immense amount of respect. Right. And so I'm glad that you're not, you're not, ah, I'll go give it a, don't those people, those people that feel like, ah, fuck it. I got a chance. I'll go give it a, sh-. don't do yeah. that. You're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> no, you're not ready. Don't do it to yourself. I mean, you'll know when you're ready. You'll just know it's part of it, part of the process of it. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a demographic of people out there that are what I like to call psych- psychedelic tourists who oh, are just yeah. out there to check it out and experience it and see what they see, what there is to see. But where I think they run into a brick wall is when you show up, the first thing they ask you is like, what's your intention? What's your intention for ceremony? Like, why are you here? Right. You right. know? And, and so, you know, it was, uh, it's important to know that it's important to know and have a reason for, for what you're doing and for why you're there and what you're trying to discover or heal or purge within yourself. So if you're not, if you're not showing up, you know, with that, uh, with that intention, you know, it's anybody's bet as to what kind of experience you're going to have. Right. And that's, that's the other thing I think, you know, the set and setting and location is everything. So I'm, I'm curious now after being where we have went to do our first ceremonies together, the difference between being over there um, with the Amazon and with the tribe and with the way they do their healing and what that brings up with the med, what's the difference between the medicines? What's the difference? Because I don't know if uh, either of you have gotten time to listen to the episode I did with Phil um, from American Yogi, but he spoke of his um, ceremonies over there. Uh, Jesse was with him during them. And it sounded like a very different thing um, in the sense there where he goes, there's a part and I do recommend going to listen to it. It was, it was a really powerful episode, but there is a part where he talked about when the shaman was pouring his ayah and one of the, I think it's a type of bird they listen to the animals. They listen to what they're trying. She's trying to speak through. And she, he said, there was a moment where everything was pretty quiet. And then this one bird just started going just crazy. And he paused and was as to be listening as if he was hearing something, being told something. And then he poured more. And then afterward, he said, it's because they said you'll need more. Do you see what I mean? Like there mm-hmm. is a connection to that jungle and to those animals and to where it, where it stems and grows and is birthed from. And to hear them speak about it that way was really, really interesting to me. So I'm, I'm very curious to see the differences and see how ceremonies are carried out. Well, it's the epicenter down there for that healing mm-hmm. modality so like you're at you're at you know ground zero there for mm-hmm. for what it is so it yeah i mean i'd be interested to hear what you have to say when you get back yeah i think i'm gonna do a, a podcast about it i think i'm gonna kind of lay it out and try to make it in a cohesive <laughs> like a whole different i don't know how to make that a cohesive conversation but you know what i'm saying i think there'll be a, i think there's a way to do it where i can just articulate it hopefully in a way that does it some type of justice. I think you should film it and doc film it yourself just on your iPhone, film yourself and document the whole entire trip from like 
you know? The, oh, I am. Yeah. All, all the way. I'm going to do all of it. And, and then put it up on your YouTube. Yeah, it's going to be aggressive. I mean, Al good. Alex, I might need you for good. editing purposes. Good. Okay. Yep, I'll do it. Perfect. Good. good. I like it. See, I like where this is going. I'm very happy with this. We didn't get into things that were too aggressive for our listeners. Although I know a lot of you listening right now are like, this is bullshit, Kelsey. When Bishop is on the show, I expect a certain level of aggression. <laughs> and you're right. I didn't give not, you that today. But no, that's okay. It's not too late. It's not too late. But I mean, it's not too late. But also, it's not going to be the last time either. But I think I'm excited that we can have those conversations and that the doors are there to be opened and to come at it from an educated standpoint and from a, not a fuck the world, burn it down from a real, Hey, this is a stuff I think we should talk about. I think it's important whether you like the direction of things or not, you should be willing to have an open mind and have hard conversations and come out with different perspectives. And I think that's what you two lend yourself so well to is the hard conversations, you give space and understanding that if I say something you don't like, that isn't a, a reflection of me. That is at that point, what I understand about that specific topic, whether it's right or wrong, but always willing to grow and understand and learn. And I think that's what you two really give me space for. And that's why I, I love, absolutely love talking to both of you. Yeah. Well, thanks for, you know, I Thanks for always giving us an opportunity to have those conversations because they, like I said, I try and meet people where, where they're at. So like specifically, like, you know, this last week was really hard because of certain legislation that happened in the United States and it, you know, it sparked a huge shitstorm. And I'm sure, you, I mean, you saw my social, I was very vocal about what I think about it. And it's very contrarian to the, you know, the the crowd that I usually attract on my show. And uh, you're talking about Roe not, versus Wade. Yeah, it was not, I was very vocal about the fact that I'm very pro-choice and uh, it was not well received because my audience is largely pro-life, which I respect and I understand their position on it. I just heavily disagree with it. And um, we, it, things got super, super spicy <laughs> on my, on my Instagram. And uh, I had some interesting interactions and I always try and meet people where they're at. So like there were people, you know, you name the spectrum. People showed up on my page and they were like, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. You're a baby killer. You know, all the, all the things. And I was like, you know, immediately, like if that's where you're coming at me immediately, if you, if you come out of the yeah. gate swinging, like depending on how hard you're swinging, like I'll just you, you immediately like delete block. You know, mm -hmm. and especially if you're coming from a ghost account, because the majority of the people that were like being that were coming out, like that were rude, that were, you know, that were like, fuck you, baby killer. were like all ghost account people. They're all trolls. You know, They're it's like trolls. It's the account that's like no profile picture posted, one follower, one post. And it's a private account, you know, and so mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I don't even have time for you. If you if you're not even going if you don't even have the the, the moral courage or the aptitude to put a fucking profile picture up on your, on your, on your page. And your username is like user underscore three, 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 seven, one, four, four. Like 
uh, you're a troll and you're, I have no, I have, I'm not, I have zero time for you. So mm-hmm. those immediately got deleted. And then there was a spectrum of hard arguments that happened. And then there was on the good positive side, there was probably three or four conversations that I had in the DMs uh, with people that were, that, that did a great job. They showed up and we had a good conversation, had a good exchange of ideas and, you know, and left it in a, and left it in a very, very civil, um, you know, left it in a very civil way. So uh, it, it was good. That was, a, those are the good interactions. Those are the type of interactions that I like to have. And I always like to come at everything from a, from a, um, a place of empathy and a place of listening. And I'm going to expect that you, with you in return, especially if you're a stranger, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to have a, you want to have a discourse and you want to have a dialogue with me. I'm going to expect you, you know, if you want me to listen, be a good listener and have empathy and try and consider the lens at which you're looking at things through, I expect you to do the same in return instead of right. being brainwashed by a narrative that you're just parroting. And, you know, it's, it's, it was that we, there were some, <laughs> some hard interactions, you know, I lost some followers and, and that's, that's fine because I'm always like, Hey, if you don't like it here, feel free to hit the unsubscribe button. Like you get to choose the media that mm-hmm. you consume. And so if you don't like what I'm saying, okay. You, Correction. Feel, feel, <clears throat> I'm going to correct you the there. Most part. Yeah. yeah. Americans <laughs> get to choose the media they consume. Right. Somewhat. More than Canada and more than China. Right. So, yeah, the point is, is like you, if you're going to show up and you're, you, you want to have a, a good discourse with me, I'm happy to have that. Be polite. Keep it civil. Don't devolve into name calling and nonsense. Otherwise, I'll just block delete you. Roe versus Wade was a lot for people. There was yeah. that. That was a. Another division, I think that was well timed for a reason. Um, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, people should get hook, line, and sinker. Well, the the earlier question you're talking about, when you're like, "How does China get away with doing all these corrupt things and doing all this stuff, and the U.S. just continues to turn up to turn a blind eye to it?" Um, you know, this is this is part of the problem is that you know we can't keep our elected officials accountable they're there for self-serving reasons they're all making money off of things you know it's like i mean you and i were very vocal on our positions regarding covid and mm-hmm. i'm sorry it's a fucking distinct it's a very distinct conflict of interest to me to have an elected official that's supposed to be representing the best interests of the people that has a financial interest and is gaining financially from the laws and the mandates that they're passing down to people. It's just, it's flat wrong. So conflict of interest. Exactly. Yeah. It's nothing more complicated than that. Nothing. Right. Correct. So, you know, it's, you know, that they've got us battling each other over these, you know, hot button topics. If you notice, like you can watch what's trending on social media and it's all meant to divide people and keep them polarized and keep them arguing with each other. Cause if we're not unified and we're not having good conversations with each other and I can't sit down with, you know, I can't sit down with a Christian and have a good conversation about, you know, their belief system and be open-minded about it and how they feel and how they, what, you know, why they think, you know, it's pro-life's important and they don't pay me the same respect of 
understanding why I think pro-choice is important and having a good dialogue and a discourse in a civil manner, if they can keep us fighting with each other and have people continuing to call me baby killer and, uh, you know, the other side of the house, you know, calling them religious zealots, like it's, if, if they can keep us, if social media can be used as a tool with, you know, uh, with an overarching strategy from large media groups and political that are backed by political organizations, and then you've got all of the bots that are programmed to keep people polarized, you've got all of the click farms that are, you know, keeping people polarized, you've got all of the, you know, the straight up trolls that are, that have a, uh, a very specific political agenda that jump into conversations to keep the fires going between people. As long as people are divided, you know, like Abraham Lincoln said it best, a house that is divided cannot stand. So that's exactly what's going on here in the United States. Like if we keep people fighting each other, we keep the right and left going, if we keep the pendulum swinging back and forth, then people are not paying attention to what their government is doing at the highest levels. And they're there for self-serving, corrupt uh, reasons political they're, they're they're there for political power power in general and then money money and power is driving everything at the elite level and as long as the peasants below them are arguing and fighting each other for table scraps then nobody's paying attention to what they're doing at the elite level leading us you know to a you know a potentially a place of no return yeah that 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 roe versus wade there's um Oh my God, I could go into that for hours and hours and hours. Uh, so honest to God, Alex, you're, Alex, you're smirking. Why are you smirking, Alex? Because <laughs> we would probably go until like 6 p.m., yeah. Yeah, I think there's so much to it. I think there's a lot to it. Um, we can we can do that on another episode. We can have a whole conversation about it. I think it's, I'm more than fine to do that. Um I think it's necessary. I think these conversations, again, need to happen. It's okay to talk their words, not violence. Words are not violence. Words can be dangerous. But if you're coming at it from an intent of edu- wanting to educate, wanting to learn, wanting to know why, then you should be able to have the conversation. If you're coming at it from a place of hate, coming at it from a place of de- divisiveness, you're coming out at a place of, of just I yeah ideology you're never going the no there's no place for those conversations because there's enough in the world that is negative we don't need to add to it but i still think they need to be had they just need to be had with responsibility in mind in my opinion i agree with you and i think anytime anybody says something to you regardless of the topic where you get emotionally triggered by it, Mm -hmm. take that minute to stop and ask yourself, why, why am I upset by this? And Mm -hmm. then take a second to calm yourself down and be a good full listener. Listen to the person's whole entire point and then process it instead of just waiting to immediately rapid fire your position down their throat process it for a minute think about what that person's saying consider the lens that they're looking at the issue through and just take a minute 
take a minute. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like arguing and fighting back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, maybe just take a minute to process things. Okay, let let a situation develop. I mean, it's a re- it, this whole thing like it took me literally weeks to come out and say things or post things about my feelings on this issue because I wanted to see where things were landing. I wanted to see what decision was going to be made by the by the Supreme Court before because this is this had leaked in the press yeah weeks before the final decision was made and so I was like all right just like combat or when we're gathering intelligence we're going to just sit back and wait and watch and let the situation develop before we come up with a, a course of action and so that's what I did and so you know it the decision was made and then I felt comfortable with like saying the things that I wanted to say. And realistically, it was in a response to, you know, as you know me, I like to sometimes hit people in the face with a sledgehammer when I get to that point. So no, I, 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 did not say some, you. I did say some things on my story, you know, where I was, and it, and it was, it was basically because uh, I was tired of like what I felt was a very high level of ignorance from the male population in regard to this issue and is it religion or is it male ignorance both both yeah it's a combination of both both. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a you know and and the big message that i will try and convey to people you know is remember there's supposed to be a separation of church and state we're not supposed to we're not supposed to be shoving a religious ideology down people's throats like we're supposed to have the freedom of religious belief here in this country according to the first amendment we're supposed to be able to have the freedom of speech and we're supposed to be separating church and state from our governmental decisions so i mean it was one of the main reasons that we went to war with england in the first place and that particular you know um amendment was written was because the you know the the crown and the church of england at the time were holding hands and they were basically teaming up to drive policy and really control the population of the empire of england with both of those entities working together so that was very noticeable to the founders of our country who were like okay cool we're not going to let this happen again we're like a specific church or religious group can team up with the government and they can control everything and use the, you know, the government can basically use the church to manipulate people and the church can use the government to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole reason why we have that, have that amendment. So. Alex, where do you stand on the issue? I think no amount of governmental policy should be emotionally charged and by that i mean any sort of religious influence Hmm. i like that yeah i don't and i also should be based on fact like irrefutable fact like we have data is the why is this a thing is the problem that fact doesn't seem to hold weight anymore because everybody has fact everybody can find Everyone has their own sources. Everyone can manipulate data and that sort of thing. But at the same time, if you ask anyone, should an emotional decision have any impact on the outcome of, say, a greater good? It shouldn't. Decisions made in emotion are almost always made incorrectly. Right. 
which is why you let the situation develop. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't touch it on social media. I didn't, um, I mean, I don't have an issue too, but I just didn't outwardly touch it. I'm not, I'm not uh, opposed to having the conversation, but I think it's not a conversation that can be, can happen in an Instagram post or a, or a back and forth. There isn't enough time unless I were to dedicate an entire episode or being on someone's show and really pulling apart why I feel the way I feel. I think people will only hear I am da, 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 da. And that's the end of the conversation. There is no nuance to it. There can't be. Yep. It's not like they don't allow you to do long math. Do you know what I mean? Correct. How did yeah, I yeah, get yeah. here? I feel this way because, and but I also feel this way because, but I think the reason this is wrong is that they don't allow you to show your work. They just want you to reverberate information that you've heard that you think is right. But do you even know why you believe what you believe? How often does somebody truly sit there and explore who they are and why they are the way they are and why they feel what the way they feel about topics. Do I actually feel that way? Because realistically, we go, 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 go. We adopt all of these things and ways about ourselves. But we, we don't actually sit back and go, do I really feel that way? Do I really think about these types of people that way? Do I really think this policy is right? That like, is it right for me? Because I'll tell you right now, I used to be um, definitely more of a liberal-minded individual. And then I went to a charity event in March. We were just having conversation about policy. We were having conversation about rights. We were having conversation about our children, about the way we raise them, all this. And somebody looked at me and said, you know you're right-wing, right? And I was like, no. First of all, I hate that they said that to you. Yeah they, yeah, they they didn't say it in a negative manner. They meant it like you say that you're more liberal, but the way you talk is definitely more right leaning. And I said, listen, I have a ton of things that are very right. And then I have a ton of things that are very left. Yeah. And I think there are policies on both sides that I can fuck with and I can be like, I can build my life on those but by no means at any point do I go far right or far left, meaning do I have policies that I, I only believe what they have to say and I only act based on that. That's the no. I've been able to take time and sit back and I'm still doing it every time I adopt a new thought or a new thing that I'm putting into my life or a new thing I'm going to talk about. I think about it. I don't just say it. I think about it. I think about what I say. And I may say it in a way that comes off wrong, or I may say it in a way that maybe seems controversial and made, and you know what, that's okay. Tell me, and maybe there's a better way for me to articulate it that I'm not yeah. aware of that you can teach me so that I can learn and then progress with, but I'll never, I'll never say I'm sorry for something. If, if I think I've sat on the topic and I believe, you know, these are, these are the reasons why I believe this. I won't apologize for feeling some type of way, but what I will apologize for is getting things wrong. I'll apologize for maybe saying something incorrectly, but at the end of the day, at the core of what I'm saying, I'm saying it for a reason. I'm saying it because it's something I believe in. Like 
I had I Kyle. At Cr- the same time, someone that's so far in that paint, right? That's mm. what their mental process is. Mm. I've been so far into it. I believe that whatever is real, and I believe that there is a predetermined plan for me by a guy in the sky, and what, and they just refuse to accept that anything else isn't a part of that bubble. I try to meet so people in their where they're mind, at with that. Right, right. But in their mind, they've gone through the same process of this is what I believe and I'm going to stand by it because this is my understanding. Until you, you provide something new, right. in which case, whether they choose to accept it and change themselves or not, or even to like entertain that idea is right. up to them. I think I, I'm always open to that. I think that's the difference between me and maybe somebody who will go march and say, I believe for X or Y, right? Like, I think that's the difference. It's like, I can believe that what you're doing is right. I can believe it to the point where it's like something that I, like somebody asks me, I talk, this is who I, I identify with in terms of that political issue or whatever, but I'm not so closed off to somebody saying, Hey, do you see why this might make sense too? Yeah. I think that's the difference. I think I'll always, I'm, it's because I always want to learn and I always want to grow And I think the only way to do that is to be willing to be open to other information, whether I like it or not, just because I don't like the sounds of it, the way the, you know, the way the vibration hits my face, I don't like it. So I won't talk about it. Well, that's just stupid and uneducated of you and just really gross behavior, in my opinion. And I think that's where we got, why we got to where we are right now. We're We're divided because people just can't have conversation. We need to be able to have conversation. And understand oh. that there's outside factors that matter. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, I think that people um, they get too. That's why. That's why I said in my last post, you know, <laughs> I put up pretty spicy post, and I tried to explain it like, you know, ideologies are dangerous. You know, and I, I, I don't have a problem. Like, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody's color, creed, religion. I don't hate anyone. Okay, I've been accused of being racist quite a bit, but I I don't hate anybody. I mean, look who my fucking best friend is. He's fucking goddamn China man. So I don't I'm not fucking racist. I don't hate anyone. Um I, I don't hate anybody's religion. I just um I I hit people at <laughs> some really wrong not wrong ankles, but like hard angles. I hit some people at some hard angles this last week because you know, one thing that bothers me is like when somebody just gets stuck on that one talking point and the mm-hmm. talking point was life. Life matters, bro. You're on the wrong side of this because life matters. And life, if, if you're just out there murdering babies, you know, and I was like, okay, well, like, let's, let's pump the brakes on this and maybe a little bit and like, let's unpack what you're saying. And then the second you start to challenge what they're saying from different angles and giving them some true, you know, information to think about outside of just the dogmatic religious ideology that they're caught in, you know, they don't know what to say, you know? And I like, I I had to tell a few people, I'm like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you or your religion right now, but how the fuck do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, how the fuck do you know? Is he here? Are you talking to him? I'd love to meet him. I'd love to drink some tea with him if he's here. So like maybe smoke some weed with them. Okay. Watch them turn some water into wine. Let's have a fucking party. Okay. Let's talk about. Yeah, I want to see the magic tricks. 
Yes. So like, I, I would love to, I would love to meet him and I'm not a denier that he existed and I'm not a hater. And I'm like, I'm not, an, I'm none of these things, but like when you really start challenging this blind religious ideology position on this issue, nine times out of 10, the people that I was like, you know, trying to present in the most respectful way I could, you know, they, they didn't, they, they don't have any other place to argue from. They don't have any other information. They just are in this blind religious tunnel where that's, that's the only, that's the only possibility that can exist in their lives. And that's a really, to me, that's a really disappointing place as a human being to be trying to live your life or operate from. So like you said it best when you were like, oh, you need to be should be open to other things. You should be open to learning new things. You should be open to the fact that one of the things that I like to tell people is other truths exist. Your truth is not the only truth. Okay. Sphere of infinite possibilities. Other truths exist. So be open to listening to what other people's truths are. You know, and I tried to tell everybody like lead, you know, try and try and be empathetic. Try and be empathetic, look at things from a lens that's not your own and be a good full listener. And if you can do those things without being emotionally charged and you can do those things without, um, uh, you know, getting caught on that one issue that you're just, it's like your little fucking buoy that you're like clinging to in the ocean of life. Like that's, that's sad. So, you know, like that. The other truths exist and you should be open to other, you should be open to other things. And realistically, like, and I've, and I've said this time and time again, Kato's probably tired of me fucking saying this because I've said it on the podcast so many times. Like, I hate that there's a right and left mm-hmm. and that we have a two-party system because what you were describing earlier when that person said, oh, well, you know, you're on the right, right? Or, you know, you're conservative, right? Like, well, no, the particular issue we are talking about right now, I may have a conservative position on. Correct. Welcome to life. Welcome to life as a moderate. Like right. it sucks. It sucks. Newsflash people. It sucks being a moderate because with this two party system, if you don't pick a team and play, if you don't pick a side, yep. you're the fucking kids that get left out at lunch recess. You're, you're like, like blamed no wants- for the worst parts of both parties. Correct. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. wants, <laughs> nobody wants to play kickball with you because you were talking to Timmy during lunch and we don't like Timmy, you know? So like, there's that, listen, that. I get, I get it. There's people who won't come on this podcast because I've had other guests on this podcast. That's ignorance. It's, yeah, yeah. But that's okay because I'll meet them where they're at and go, okay, if that's how you feel, I respect that. If that's how you want to live your life, I respect that. I will never say you're a shitty fucking person for it, but I will say, okay, if you can't see past that, then you know what? Maybe you weren't worth my time as, as, as I'm not worth yours. I just meet people where we're at. I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I'm not going to be the priority for everyone. I'm not going to be the show that maybe every single person wants to come on that's okay. I'm comfortable in that now. Before I would be like, the fuck is your problem? That doesn't surprise me. That's disappointing. Hmm. But then as I start to go through this process and learn, it's okay. 
It's all right. If you don't, if you don't want to make time for me, then why do I feel like I need to make time for you? Who do you want? Like, yeah. Like who are you to think that this time's not valuable with me? I just don't understand. So now I just let it go and meet people where they're at. If I'm not good for you, you don't have time for me. That's fine. I don't take offense. I don't get upset. I don't do anything. I go, okay, thanks, man. Move on. Because it's, it doesn't do me any good to sit there and, and revel in hate and, and just like, how could someone not want to talk to me only because I spoke to someone else? Like that's, that's you know what that is to me? That's childish behavior. I feel and like I'm not a child no to talk to. Like if oh, that they, was true, they have lots right? of people to talk to. I'm not going to talk to you because you talked to someone else I didn't like. Right, six degrees of separation. That person's not going to be able to talk to anyone. Oh, trust me, this community's right? small. Yeah. And Bishop knows it's how it works. So, but then what I find is I find the people that are willing to talk to me about the hard conversations from both sides of everything, and when those people are willing to give me their time, then I take that time. And I grab a hold of that time and I make something special out of that time. And then those people that decided I don't want to talk to her because I spoke to so-and-so, it's not my loss. It's theirs because they got to miss out on the time with me. Candidate failed to meet expectations. Correct. It's okay. Candidate dropped from selection. Yeah, exactly. Candidate failed to take open opportunity. See, I just, this is why guys, this is why I love you because you guys, you get me on both sides. You get, there's two sides to everything. There's, there, you know what? There's three sides to everything. There's two sides. As Dr. Phil would say, there's two sides to a pancake. Mm-hmm. There's always three there's sides to the everything. There's also the rim. <laughs> that's, that's right. That, yeah. And as Brady would there's say. There's also the edge yeah, of the pancake. There's your right. story, their story, and the truth, right? Yeah, right. And so that's what's, that's what's beautiful about being able to have conversations with both of you. Well, the, the, here's the irony of the situation is like the moderates are the most ostracized in the, in the, in the political spectrum. However, we're the ones that decide elections. Right. Battleground states are battleground states for a reason. Like people campaign super hard in battleground states because there's moderates, enough moderates exist in these particular places where like we don't always vote right. We don't always vote left. Like we always will will either pick a topic that we support the candidate that is in favor of like what we believe, or we will pick the best person for the job. You know, a lot of times you'll read through a resume and you'll look at a person's experience. That's a candidate that's running for office. And if you're not doing this, shame on you, you should be, um, and, and dig into their background and you start reading up on their level of experience and you'll figure out like, okay, maybe like, yes, I lean a little bit conservative, but the Republican candidate sucks and has no experience. Whereas the democratic candidate has a shit ton of experience. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm not completely in line with the whole democratic party or their cuckoo clock, progressive weirdo (laughs) way out on the fringe position, but I'm going to pick this candidate because I feel like they're the best candidate for the job. We're the ones that decide elections. However, we're the most ostracized, like people, the, the, the right, the GOP hates us and the progressive left hates us because we don't have an allegiance to either one of them because I like balance. I like objectivity. I like looking at things from different angles, the whole like, and, and this is essentially what the bedrock of the term, in my opinion, 
being fiscally conservative, but socially liberal, like falls squarely into this box of sitting in the middle and trying to pick the boat, the best of all things so that we can like have objectively a, pick the best parts. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Objectively pick the best parts. So yeah. So that's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough place to try and live life from because you're inevitably always pissing somebody off. Like yeah. I have friends that are super liberal. I piss them off when I talk about how pro 2A I am. I have friends that are super conservative. I piss them off when I talk about being pro-choice. Like mm-hmm. you're inevitably always in this kind of this shitty purgatory of always pissing someone off because no one can do what you've been discussing this whole time, which is having objective, good conversations with, with people, have, talking about hard topics and being able to negotiate your way through them in an unemotional way. I had a, I had a guest on the show, uh, Ryan Mickler, and um, we had a whole conversation about this. Him and I agree on probably 95% of things. Then there's one thing we don't agree on. But we had a conversation about it. We talked about why we disagree with each other. And then we left the conversation and high-fived and was like, dude, that was fun. Because you can have those conversations, but it's when people are shut off to them that it's almost not that it's not worth your time, but you are doing yourself more of a disservice, spending that time arguing with somebody instead of trying to just move forward, have a conversation in a positive manner with somebody that's willing and open and honest. Um, I think that's why when I want to talk about something difficult, I talk to both, I can talk to both of you about it. You know, there's a few people we can have those kind of conversations with and they don't leave the room going, well, that's, she's fucking nuts. Like, I mean, there's a line with everybody and sometimes the line is further down the road for, for some, and it's okay to get to that point, but there's people who don't want to cross that or even just explore what that looks like. Right. And I think if we were able to have more conversations like this, I feel like there would be a lot less turmoil. I thought there'd be, I think there'd be way more unification. I don't know that there would be this division, but I'm not sure how we get people to have these conversations more often. There was a fun exercise that I would do with my friend in New York where we would be smoking and sitting on the balcony and we would pick a topic that we both would disagree on and we would have to debate the other person's side. That's brilliant. So you would force the person to have to defend something they don't agree with. And it makes them process it a little differently than just hearing someone you don't agree with talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely like that exercise and wish more people would do that or they would do it in schools. I mean, I don't see why not use that as a, use that as a playbook or a structure to deal with inner class turmoil and, you know, with why not? I don't see why that wouldn't work. You know, the way that they do it now is they just say one of you is bad, one of you is good, one goes to right. the principal, one and 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 that's not the truth at all. But then you look at the system and you go, well, teachers are poorly pay- paid and barely do what they're even paid to do. I mean, my son's school, we found out for the majority of his music class, they were just watching movies. So, you know, <laughs> you know, and the excuse from the vice principal was, well, she had to do her prep work. Do your prep work at home like everyone else and do your job when you're paid to do your job that's my personal opinion but then again i use accountability in my business and i use people 
to say, this is not okay. And I expect people to say that. But when you have a group of five-year-olds who can't say this is wrong, or we shouldn't be doing this, you count on those people to look after your children properly. But evidently that requires effort that nobody wants to give anymore. So how can you sit there and expect them to have these types of conversations with children if they don't even have time to do their own prep work to teach the class that they're actually prepping for? Was it really prep work or like, did she have a fun night out on the town and she had a hangover and was like, we're going to watch movies today? Because I remember in my school, when we got to watch movies in class, it was because the teachers were hungover. Yeah, this is a, (laughs) yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He goes, she, she started, well, she's very young. And I was like, she was hungover. Cool. Yeah, that makes uh, makes sense. PG movies with five. Sitting there like, oh my god, we're gonna watch Frozen today. No, 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 (laughs) not a no, homie, not a G movie. No, no, a PG movie. No, Shrek. 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 That's. I feel like that's acceptable. No, it's not. Let me tell you why. It could be worse. No, just because it's animated doesn't make it acceptable. Have you watched Shrek lately? Did they change it and take out a bunch of funny jokes? My point is, have you listened? If you, I want you to sit there and watch it and look like you're watching it from a parent's standpoint, or because you know Brady and I, watch it like you're watching it from our lens. Okay. Hmm. We don't okay. talk that way to people. Hmm. We don't use those words. We don't be disrespectful like that. That fucking behavior is unacceptable. That movie with a five-year-old is beyond okay. It's fine if you're a neglectful parent. That's fine. You do you, homie. But I'm not. So no, that was not okay. And yes, (laughs) but that's okay because the principal said it was fine. God, I love South Surrey schools. Well, and a lot of people that don't have kids don't understand these things. And they, you know, does the teacher have kids? I don't know. I have no idea. I actively try not to participate in conversations with that school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's why. I'll give you a small example as to why. We just had a whole conversation. This whole podcast was based on having hard conversations, Kelsey. And you're not going to go talk to your kid's school? Oh, no, we talk to them. But let me tell you how they work out. I got a phone call one day. Because my son, whose business I'm totally going to plug right now, because he was the button to watch this. This is the launch button. Watch. Go ahead. You're such an asshole. (laughs) So, so at my son's school, they teach the SOGI program, which is sexual orientation and gender identification in all British Columbia, Alberta, and Ontario schools. They teach it from kindergarten to grade 12. My son was getting bullied because of his hair and the headband he wears every day to kind of have it on. And they older kids would tease him and call him the poopy ninja. And so instead of Jack, like taking it, Jack didn't realize it was anything like a tease or a joke. He thought it was cool. It was fine. I'm the poopy ninja. I got a nickname, sick. Yeah. Pumped about it, right? Ran with it. We're at the office one day because my son likes to work in the warehouse. And he goes... He asks on weekends to go. It's a whole, I don't know. Brady takes him to the office. They're in the warehouse. And he goes, listen, um, daddy, I would like to sell merchandise to my poopy ninja fans. And we said, I'm sorry, you had fans? 
And he goes, yes, at school. So I'm not kidding. We're at an event and all these kids come over to him. We're like, Hey, poopy ninja. These are older kids. Okay. My son is five. And he goes, I said, who's that? And he goes, see, those are my fans. So my son then sat down and came up with designs with my husband. And now my husband, my son has a clothing line called poopyninja.com. Nice. And I wear it. My favorite shirt of his is the bangers and hitters. It's what he used to call drums when he went into school, bangers and hitters. And he came up with this whole concept. I so could come got, up with another, another connotation and hitters. For, yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I know. So you're gonna make me one, and then we're gonna do the a collab shirt. Version. Yeah, yeah, the explicit version for us. We'll do a collab on it. The um, teacher calls me, principal, and says, "Can you uh, can I talk to you?" And I was like, "Sure." So I go in that day to pick Jack up. Jack cannot hand out his business cards at school anymore because my son was handing out business cards. <laughs> I love this story. This is and he awesome. goes. Buy my poopy ninja ninja merchandise. That's how he says it, right? That's so um, he's got flip-flops, he's got a backpack, he's got shirts, he's got mugs, he's got it all. And so he's buy my poopy ninja merchandise. All the parents are like, What is this stuff? I'm like, it's my son's company. They're like, huh. I'm like, no, Google it. It's my son's company. It's my son's company. And um, so we go through this process. I walk in and she goes. So we can't have him doing that anymore. And I said, explain to me why. And she goes, well, we don't allow bathroom talk. We can't use the word poopy in school. Um, it's, it's just bad bathroom talk. It's, it's, uh, she kept using the word bad, 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 right? It's, it's a bad influence on young kids. It's not, it's not, um, what's the word she used? Like, we don't like to, to say poopy. It's, it's, it's gross. It's, we don't, we want to dirty we, word. It's yeah, it's not, you know, we go to the bathroom. They're five. Let me, let me remind you again. These are five-year-olds. So my response was okay, but it's fine for him to come home after I've signed documentation. Number one rules you've broken. At the beginning of the school year, we told you to never photograph my son and put it online. What did you do after we signed a document that did not give you permission to do that? You did that. We told you my son is not to be taught and sat down with the teachers or to be involved in any soju conversations. That is something for the parents' conversations, not the schools. You did it. My son came home with a book called Jacob's New Dressed. After you've been warned and told multiple times to not be teaching that shit to my fucking kid. You did it. Now you're calling me in on my work day when I have real things to do that affect real people that don't live in your bubble of reality of your rich South Surrey area as if you think I give a shit about the word poopy. Let me beat you at your own game. Are you ready? On Monday morning, he's going to show up and identify as the poopy ninja. Yes. And you are going to call him that. And you know why? Because he identifies as that. And those are and your if you rules. And those are your rules. <laughs> so play <laughs> this game. game. Yep. Play this game with me. Because you're playing fucking pretend and I will always win. The fact of the matter is, if your priority 
is policing words like poopy instead of preventing violence in your classroom and allowing five-year-olds to take keys to other five-year-olds necks, which happened in my son's classroom. If you're worried about that, if you're worried about them, they, and all of the other conversations that you don't have the right to be having with my five-year-old, if you're worried about not putting phones in classrooms so that if something goes sideways, teachers don't have a phone to use, if you're fine with leaving the school, if you're fine with letting the school front doors be unlocked, if you're fine with the windows and doors being unlocked and open all the time because you think nothing bad ever happens, you go ahead. But I'm telling you right now, you're worried about the wrong things. And this is why our generation is going to grow up to be shitbags or have mass shootings happen regularly. Because you care about things that don't fucking matter. Start caring. Put some phones in the classrooms. Shut the doors. Lock those doors. Let the parents talk about the religion. Let the parents talk about the sexuality. Stop pushing your ideology and your bullshit on my five-year-old and stop shutting him down when all you ever do is turn his light off. But God forbid the parent took that kid gave him a company, gave him a business, told him he could be bigger than this, told him that that business has the potential to earn him more money than one of his teachers is making in one year. You want to shut that shit down? I'm telling you right now, we're not standing for it. You're not killing my kid and putting him as a clog in your machine. He's going to come out of this school. We're going to deprogram him through all summer. We're going to put him back in because that's the only way that we have access to school right now. And we're going to continue to push back because at no point are you doing your job. It's been made fucking clear. Your teachers don't show up and teach. They put them in front of screens. Your teachers don't show up and teach. They never let them outside to play for more than 10 minutes. Your teachers show up in masks. And children now have a learning deficit because of it. You're not a teacher. You're a follower. You're a facilitator. You're a government organization. And you don't actually care about these kids. You care about your paycheck to go and drive your Tesla. Which you get preferential parking for. I mean, I have a Tesla too, so that's fine. I hope. Are there other parents that are are, that are like that are pushing back and participating on the level that you guys are? Uh, no. So we do have a classroom. There was four other children that were hurt um, this year and there's been back and forth letters. Uh, there's been meetings with the police liaison and there has been meetings with the superintendent of the school. And it's been made very clear that they cannot remove dangerous children from the school. They can only put an aid on them. But I tell you right now that aid, <laughs> yeah, that aid doesn't see everything. And when she misses things that results in kids getting hit over the head or a key getting taken out of a shoe and another kid getting a drug across her neck. Do kids not get expelled anymore? No. Every Canadian child has the right to be in school. Mm. Okay. So yeah. well, I've, I've su- had I'm this sure conversations. Can, yeah, I'm sure you can find very similar bullshit going on down here yeah. in the United States. Like I've, I've Tons of it. heard this. I've heard this this going on for a while now super Mm -hmm. disappointing um Mm -hmm. but yeah parents need to get involved for sure parents need to be involved yeah and that's the other thing parents need to be involved and if i could homeschool i would um not because i want my kid to be weird 
but because I want my kid to be able to see both sides of things, know what's important and what's not important. Cause you know, what's not important worrying about a five-year-old saying the word poopy. That's not important. Get your priorities straight. It's pretty clear. You don't have them straight up, down, left, right, or center. They're just whatever you're told to believe. Yeah. How much things have changed and shifted in that regard is, is kind of, it's appalling. Like when I was, I remember being in grade school, like we had gravel playgrounds and we would like play tackle football in the gravel and like every recess, somebody was like getting hurt, getting in a fight. It was no thing for like every single recess, somebody would come back in with like a bloody nose or a split lip or like, and it wasn't because people were like necessarily fist fighting. It was just because we played rough and we like, you know, you get hit in the face with like a, you know, one of those, I forgot what the game is called tetherball. You'd be Mm -hmm. playing tetherball. Somebody would swing it too hard and like, smack the other person and you know split their lip open or Mm -hmm. you know somebody would get bruised up during you know tackle football out in the gravel or or you name it or just playing tag or like Like, falling off the monkey bars yeah Mm -hmm. falling off the monkey bars yeah or like swinging on the monkey bars and accidentally kicking Susie in the face because she wasn't paying attention when she walked underneath you and you swung on the monkey bars like people would get fucked up during our recesses and it was normal you'd get sent down to the nurse's office and you'd get your face cleaned up and you'd get a little ice pack and you'd go back to class mm-hmm. yep. and nowadays like this the horror stories that i'm hearing from like you know children like children like young kids going to schools like this is like it's i'm like i can't even believe it. i just sit there and shake my head and i'm like it's gross and it's yeah. it's yeah and i yeah there's a, there's trust me there's a lot there and i could do a whole whole episode on that as well. And I I do plan on it actually, but, um, there's something that I'm trying to practice is like, if I don't have the solution to the problem, don't bitch about it. So until I involve myself more in the school, it's hard for me to say much more other than I think they're doing a, a piss poor or a barely acceptable job at most. And, um, I know that when he leaves, I fuck, we just have to work on making him a better person, um, on our own because the damage is done there we can correct it and we do, but you have to be present as a parent. You have to be accountable as a parent and you have to put time and effort and that's fine. But for a lot of people, they either don't have the energy for it or they just don't want to. So there is that, um, that old saying, it's like, if you're, if my mom used to say, it's like, my mom was involved in everything, right? My mom was involved in all things school, but there was reasons why kids stayed at our house all the time. There was reasons why kids ate with us. There's reasons why my mom was there for a lot of people. I didn't, they don't all have parents like mine. So I can't, can't fault the kids. A lot of the times, a lot of time it's the parent and um, the parents need to be shook in my opinion, but I digress, but um, I do got to go guys. I got to end it here. I have to uh, go get ready for another one. And, good day, um, hard conversation. How many? Day, how, many how, how many? How many podcasts are you have you recorded today, or are you going to record today? Three. Wow, cranking yeah, them out. How many? How many episodes you drop in a month now? Or I'm sorry, a week. How many are you doing? I, I cut myself down to one. Okay. And I'm clipping and editing more out of it, and trying to pull more from it and get more mm-hmm. um, out of that. I have enough. I have enough that I could do two a week for the rest of the year booked. But I. I just want to really dissect what I want to put out and put out quality. And I'm trying to do that right now and focus on that. And so that's the goal. Cool. Yeah. Let's put our heads together and talk about some stuff relative to that offline. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I like it. Can you tell everyone where everyone can find your podcast, where they can find anything about you, follow your social media? All of yeah, abso- yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are the podcast pretty much at Lone Element is all of my tags. Like, so the, uh, the, the podcast is called the Lone Element Podcast. The uh, Instagram, which I don't, it's a suffering dying animal because I'm like on the, I'm like on the ninth tier of shadow ban hell in, uh, in Instagram hell. It's uh, at Lone Element underscore actual. We just started TikTok. We just started YouTube. We have, uh, it's at Lone Element on TikTok. It's at Lone Element on YouTube. And uh, those are pretty much all the places you can find us. We got a website. We're still working on that. If you want to reach us, DM us on Instagram or uh, email us info at LoneElement.com. And Alex, you have a social? Yes, I'm on Instagram, ak.simpson. Good. Perfect. We'll make sure to put everything in the bios and all of that lovely jazz. All right, humans. Those are my friends. I'll talk to you all next week.